This week's parsha is Parshat Shalach. And there are quite a number of notable, notable uh, uh, chapters in the parsha. We know that the parsha begins with one of the more tragic uh, episodes in Jewish history. B'nai Israel having left Har Sinai, God rushed a, created a Kfitzat Aderech. They were instead of 11 days and 3 days, they were able to be at the boundary, the, uh, at the entrance to uh, the land of Israel, to Eretz Yisrael, which was the ultimate completion of the mission to give the land that was promised to them, Eretz Zavat Chalab and Vash. And they were supposed to be getting this land. And unfortunately, uh, the people clamored that spies should be sent to check out the land. And um, 10 of the 12 spies went in uh, with, uh, we're going to see, with other ideas about entering to the land of Israel. The other two was Yeshua ben Nun and Kalav ben Yefune, who were righteous Jews, and they uh, tried to uh, uh, dispel the, um, the claims of the 10 tribes, they came back on Tisha B'Av. That's when they, they came back. The eighth, they actually came back on the 8th of Av. And that night they gave over the bad tidings and everyone cried. And God said that you're crying for nothing. I'll give you something to cry about. And since that time, first base of Migdash destroyed. Second base of Migdash destroyed. The first world war. Second, Tisha B'Av is like the catch-all for all tragedies. All came from this story. When, and they were, 38 years they were added on staying in the desert until that whole generation died. Tragic, tragic event. That's the beginning of the Parsha of the Miraglim known as the spies. The Parsha ends with the Parsha of the third Parsha of Kriyachma Tzitzit. Usually there is a, begin, a connection between the beginning of the Parsha and the end of the Parsha. So what's the beginning? Miraglim and Tzitzit. So Rashi... Interesting, Rashi seems to be a very superficial connection. But Rashi says like this, Rashi brings down, the Pasuk says, that the tzitzit should be for you, it's going to be a protection, or so when you look at it, Zachartim is called Mitzvah Hashem, you'll remember all of the Mitzvah Hashem, and this will give you the impetus to fulfill those Mitzvahs. And you should not stray, after your hearts and after your eyes, these are the uh, agents that uh, uh, cause you to uh, to fulfill your lust uh, your, your lustful urges. So don't go after your uh, your heart and your eyes. Okay. So says Rashi that the uh, same way as in the beginning it says they went out to search out and spy the land. The lesson of losasuru is that the heart and the eyes are the spies. They are the spies of the body. So there's a connection. There's, there's spies there, spies here. Fine. It says like this. And they also act as agents. You have your, 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 your heart, your, uh, your, your body, causing your body to sin. Or the agents. It says, The eye sees, the heart desires, and then the body commits the sin. So rather than being a little poetic, these their agents, you know, it seems like a very superficial connection. We can see maybe perhaps it's a much deeper connection. 
But I want to share with you an idea that I heard from my Roshiva of Yochanan's wife, Shlita. And um, this is just such a basic question. You know, you, have to, you read Rashi, and Rashi is the greatest commentary on Chumash. It has to make sense, right? So what Rashi is saying is that why is the Torah identifying these two parts of your body? Because that's what causes you to sin. How does it work? Your eye sees... Your heart desires. Right? So what comes first? I and then heart. Let's go back to the Pasuk. Losa Suru, you shall not deviate. What's written first in the Pasuk? It says the heart. Do not go astray after your heart and after your eye. That's what she's talking about. It should have said it the other way around. If it's what Rashi is coming to tell you that this is the way you sin, then why is it putting the heart before the eye? It should be the eye before the heart. We'll leave that question. I think that's a very strong question. We will go, we'll have to get back to that. That's question number one. Right. Going back to the beginning of the parashah, it lists all the names of the tribes, the Nesim. Remember, these twelve Nesim, they were not small people. These were the leaders of Israel, the twelve leaders of Israel, ten of who it's, it's not maybe for a different time, but they came back with something that showed a complete lack. Some say it was even a lack in Emuna in Hashem, the simple understanding. How could it be? Right? But it says, Up to that point, he was known as Hoshea. Hashem called him, uh, uh, and uh, Moshe changed his name from Hoshea Benun to Yehoshua. Right? Says Rashi, why did he change his name to Yeshua? Because by giving the name Yeshua, it's a compound of ha- Ka and Hoshea. His father loved, he prayed for him, Ka Yoshiacha Mi'atzas Miraglim. May Hashem save you from the evil counsel of the spies. Mm-hmm. So that's why he changed his name from Hashea to Yehoshua. So I saw there's a saver called the Tosefes Bracha. This is a side point. This is something I thought was fascinating. So we first ask the question is, why is Hashem only dominating for Yehoshua? Why is Moshe only dominating for Yehoshua? Why doesn't he dominate for Kalev? Kalev and Yefuna was the other tzaddik that was there. And while you're at it, why not daven for the other ten? Daven for all of them that they shouldn't do the sin that they're doing, right? Why is he only focusing on Yeshua? So, but the 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 the, um, the safer in the, the safer Tosefus Bracha says a very interesting thing. He says like this: the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that when Sarai's name was changed to Sarah, right? Sarai means she was just a princess for Avraham or for that name. She became the Sarah, she became the princess for the entire world. So the Yud that got knocked off, Sarah becomes Sarai. Becomes Sarah, went to Akurish Baruch and says, You just knocked me out of the Sefer Torah. You know? What happens to me? And Hashem said, No problem. When, Mosh, when, when Hoshea's name was changed, it was Yehoshua. So that's the Yud got reintroduced. That's what the Gemara says. From, Hoshe, from Sarai, the Yud got knocked off, to Hoshea, Yehoshua, that's the Yud that was taken from Sarai. And obviously there has to be a deeper meaning for that. But I want to share with you something which, the, the, Tosef's Bracha was the author of the Torah Tamima, Baruch Levi Epstein. He was a 
tremendous, it was a Litvashayid, a tremendous, uh, uh, Lithuanian Jew, and they don't usually do, like, Hasidish Torah. Like, you know, they, but this, this, this is something which I thought was, like, sounded a little Hasidish, but this, I want to share with you because I thought it was cute. He says, like this, he was bothered by him. He says, the only time we find in the whole Torah, it says, by Yeshua, well, how do we pronounce it? By everyone else, it says a father, and it's, it's Ben. Someone is Ben. By Yeshua, what does it say? Bin. It's always with a chirik, with one dot underneath it. Yeshua bin Nun. It's very strange. Nobody explains why that is. Everywhere else it is uh, Moshe ben Amram. It's always Ben, with Segol, with three dots. And here, it's one. So he says, How do, why? Why is it only one? So listen to what he said. It's a brilliant chap. He says like this, that... We know that every word and every letter and every every nakuda every has, is 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 in the Torah for a reason. It has to be there. You can't just delete it. So he says like this: even if the yud of Sarai was taken from Sarah, under the, when it was Sarai, there was no nakudot under the yud. Sarai doesn't have any punctuation underneath it. Yet when you add it to Yoshua, what did you have to do? You had to make a segol. You had to take the two. Where are those two dots coming from? So the word ben, which normally has three letters, it gave up two of its dots that should go to the yud. So it's Yehoshua bin nun. So you don't have the three dots. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, a, a nice idea. That's what explains it. Yeah. Anyway, right? It's an interesting idea. Anyway, but that's not what we're talking about. We want to go back to the primary question. Why is Yeshua, the one that gets the blessing, and not Kalev ben Yefuna, and not the other ten. Really praying that there's no sin, and then pray for them too. Right? Now, there is what's called a, 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 a Targum. Targum is a, a Targum Yonason. It is actually on Navi, on the Navi, but there's a Targum Yonason on Chumash. Whether it was a Targum Yonason, that's but it goes back, it's an ancient, ancient text that's very much used by Torah, Torah scholars, and he throws in interpretations other than just directly translating into Aramaic. He throws things in. And here on the Pasuk, of when Moshe called Yeshua, Hoshea Yeshua, he says, Elan Shemaim Guvrai, others I'm just translating, this is the Aramaic. These are the, the men, the Shadar Moshe that Moshe sent, Le'alala Yas Ara, to explore the land, Uchidi Chama Moshe, when Moshe saw, Anvasenusei, when he saw the humility of Hoshea, Kara Hoshea Barnun Yoshua. He changed his name from Hoshea to Yoshua. So somehow he's saying, he's trying to explain, but Yoshua had this humility about him, and therefore he deserved the name change. Right? That's why he changed his name, and he davened for him as opposed to the others. What is the fact that he was more humble? How, why is that explained? It doesn't, doesn't really seem... And what's that notion? We don't, we're trying to understand that. All right. We're going to discuss something today which I think can have really very strong practical implications. There is a following Gemara in Masechus Brochus and Daf Yud. I'm going to read through the Gemara with you. And we'll circle back to our questions. But let's just finish our question. One, if the idea of the two organs of the body that cause a person to sin, Rashi says, is the heart and the eye, but if the eye sees and the heart 
uh, desires, then why in the Pasuk is it flipped around is the other way around? That was question number one. Number two, what the name change? Why did Yeshua get the name change? Raja says that he prayed for him that he wouldn't succumb to the council of the Miraglim. Why not pray for, pray for Kalav and Yafuna? Why not pray that they shouldn't sin? Why are you praying just for Yeshua? That's the, now, the Gemara says like this. It says, Hanu Beryoni. There were these ruffians, right? These ruffians, David Rabbi Meir. They lived in the neighborhood of Rav Meir. Okay? They caused him great distress. So whoever these Beryonim were, they used to cause Rav Meir great distress. So Meir said, you know what? I'm going to pray that they die. I'm going to pray that they die. Take care of the problem. So Rav Meir had a great wife. His name was, her name was Bruria. Bruria is a very famous wife of Rav Meir. So Amrale Bruria de Bisu. So Bruria, the wife of Rav Meir, said to him, My daughter, what is your thought? Because the Pazik says, Hashem says, Yitamu chatoyim in Right? So chatoyim, it doesn't say chotim, mixiv chotim, it doesn't say the sinners. God wants the sinners to be removed from the world. What does it say? Chatoyim are, He wants the sins to be removed. So don't pray that they should be removed. What should you pray that? That their sins should be removed. Alright? Chadoim Steve. So therefore, so that's problem number one. For Oh, Shvila Sefer the And go to the end of the Pasuk. It says, Rushaim od Enam. And there will be no more wicked. Pray for it and there will be no more wicked. Kevin the Tamu When the sins are depleted from the world, then what? Rushaim od Enam. There will be no more wicked. So therefore, Elaboy Rachmi Elove de la So you should pray that they should do Teshuva. And then there'll be no more wicked in the world. Their sins will be removed, and then there'll be no more wicked in the world. Alright? So, boy, Rachmi, Rav May prayed that Allah on them, and they repented. That's a famous story. So now, comes along, the commentary in the back of the Gemara is known as the Maharsha. The Maharsha is a commentary, it's written in about the 16th century. I believe in Krakow, lived in Krakow. He was known as Rabshmul Edels. Edels, his mother's, his mother-in-law was Edel. She supported him in learning. So he was known as Rabshmul Edels, like Edels, uh, Shmuel. That was a, so Shmuel Edel, one of the most famous and, and Talmudic commentaries on the commentary. And he has a very difficult problem here. He says like this. I'm going to read it to you inside. You'll see it, but very difficult. Yesh ayen bezeh. He says, we have to analyze this Gemara. He's going on the Gemara in Brochus and Dafyur. He says, No question. A person wants to daven for himself. Like Zerubachur, that I, I have got a virus. I want to do tshuva. Hashem, give me the strength. Help me do tshuva. You can pray for yourself to go ahead and do tshuva. Because even though Everything in the world you have no control over. How much money you're going to have, what house you're going to have, what car. You don't have control over anything. The one thing you have control is your Yerat Shemayim. To do mitzvahs, to Averis. That you have control over. But nevertheless, the Gemara tells us in Makas, that that if you show Hashem, this is what you want to do. This is, the way, this is what I want. He will help you get there. If you show Hashem the way you want to go, He will help you. So if you say, Hashem, help me do tshuva, 
Even though tshuva is dependent on you doing mitzvahs, doing avera, he will help you. He will give you the power to do the tshuva because it's, you're showing that's where you want to go. He will be able to do that for you. So you can pray to Hashem to help you to do tshuva. Fine. Right? Now, so therefore, somebody wants to become tahor, pure, Messiah, they will help him. But, but that's when you mavakas racham alatzma, that's when you pray about yourself, lavzibachuva. Right? So, hareza bechlala, rotsotah, that's you want, right. Ava lavakas racham alchavet. How can you pray that your friend should do tshuva? How can you pray that somebody else should do tshuva? Alchavet, lavzibachuva. Kasha. Maya ilbakasha. How does it help? I understand me praying, says the Marsha. Why does it help? Because you're showing Hashem, that's what I really want. He'll help you if that's what you really want. But how can you pray for your friend who's doing Averis? How do you pray that that's what he really wants? That's not, he, we, it's, you don't determine what he really wants. How can you pray that he should do tshuva? It's, it's, it's a tremendous question. What is Pshat in the Gemara? He prayed that they should, uh, their sins should go away. How can you pray that their sins should go away? And he remains without it. He says, I don't understand it. This, this is a difficult, difficult problem. How do you understand this question? It's, it's, it's a tremendous question. You can pray for yourself to do the right thing. How can you pray for somebody else that he should do the right thing? It's based on him making the right decisions. So he says, you, you're saying to Hashem, I want to make, I just need a little push. I want to make the right decisions. But that's something he needs to ask for, not you, if it's for him. That's the question the Marshal asks. The other question. So, my Roshiva answered like this. He said like this. The Rambam says a very interesting thing. The Rambam says in Hilfus Deus, he says, Derech Briyasa Shal Adam. It is the natural disposition of a person. Leos Nimshach Bedeosav Ubemasav Acharayo That a person will be influenced by his friends and his associates. Right? And he'll pick up the social norms of the place that he lives in. So that's the normal human condition. Leficha, therefore says the Rambam, Sarich Adam lishaber letzadikim. You should try and get close to people that are righteous. Veleishev etzel hachamim and sit around people that are wise. Tamid all the time. Kadeisha yilmad maaseim that you should learn from their actions. Be close to them. But you should distance yourself from those who are wicked, who go in darkness, that you shouldn't learn from their actions. Right? So the Rambam is telling us something which we all know intuitively, is that a person has within him his own abilities, predispositions, uh, desires to go one way or the other, but that sometimes... His actions can, are not necessarily representative of who he is innately, but sometimes his actions are what? Representative of the environment that he finds himself in. Right? So my Roshiva wanted to say like this, I think it's a brilliant idea, something that really has an impact. You know? And think about it, we also, we daven for our children, that they should do the right thing. And then, you know, he said, how can you daven for somebody else? You can't daven to somebody else. So my Roshiva said, it's true. I can't daven to change your innate dispositions. You want to do something one way. You want to do something the other way. That's all based on your Yerat Shemayim and on your... I can't change that with my davening. What I can pray to Hashem is that please don't allow the outside environment to impact upon them. 
That you can pray for. Because that's not based on their own Yiras Hashem. That's based on they're being impacted. And then you can say, help them, help create the buffer. It's a tremendous, tremendous idea. Meaning that, that and therefore he said that that could be what Rav Meir, Rav Meir can't pray that if they're innately doing things, I can change that. But you know what? Maybe they're only acting the way they're acting is because of who's around them. And therefore, that, help them with that. If you help them with that, then maybe they'll do the right thing and their problems will, will go away. And he actually wanted to say is that the word Beryonim, they were called Beryonim, ruffians, Beryon, is actually comes from the word Yavan. Yavan is that it means that you're, they're being impacted upon by the secular world. They're doing what they're doing because of, it's not innately who they are. And therefore, some, there's hope. There is hope in such a situation. Now, Unfortunately, and this is the catch, unfortunately, yes, it's true that maybe we can daven for a person not to be affected by the environment. But if a person himself chooses to want to be there, and that's the choice he wants to make, then Tefillah is not going to help for that either. If that's what he chooses, like we find by Lot, Lord is castigated because Hashem said, you, um, no, uh, Avram said to him, do you want to go to the east? Do you want to go? He wanted to be by Zdom. The puzzle says he wanted to be by Zdom. He became impacted by Zdom. He chose. I chose. If you're choosing to go into that, that's showing that that's what you want, then it's already almost a re- predisposition and a reflection of what your choice is. Then it doesn't help anymore to pray, to be separated from that because that's not, then you really become part of the problem. You're really the part of the problem. It's not that the problem is impacting on you, but you've been part and parcel of what the problem is. Let's go back to the original question that the end of the part says, Tits is the beginning of the person. Raglim Rashi seems to make some type of Connection, which the, the, the heart and the, and the eyes, the connection of the, of the spies, and what's connected back, what's the real connection over there, and also the order doesn't seem to be right. So, I'll tell you something, a, a fascinating thing, and this is our Rishiva did it, we can try it even now. It, it, it was a, um, he said like this, without looking at your watches, can you tell me if on your watch are numbers? Or on your watch are lines. How many times a day do we look at our watches? 50, 100 times a day? How can you not know? You know who does know? You have these guys that are completely into watches, you know, and they can tell. He says, you probably don't even know what make your brand your watches. And how many times do you look at it? He says, but a guy that's a jeweler, a guy that's into watches, he can tell you every little detail. Because if you are predisposed to something, then it registers. If you're not predisposed to something, I'll tell you a story that happened to me with my own Rosh Hashiva. I don't remember, in Israel they had this thing, they were burning down these bus shelters. Do you remember that it was happening? Why were they burning down? Because they didn't like the pictures that they were putting on, the advertisements 
So people like, you know, the big, the, the Kanoim, zealous people are coming and burning them down because they don't like the pictures. So in Miami Beach, I remember when Yeshiva in Miami Beach, one of the Kolo guys came over, I'm standing by my Rosh Hashiva talking to him. Somebody comes over to him and says, he says, he says, Rosh Hashiva, he says, you have to call the authorities. He says, why? He says, right outside the entrance to the base Medrash, there's a bus station, a, shel- a bus shelter, and they have this most inappropriate advertising, most inappropriate advertising that's there. Right? And you've got to call them. It's not that the Bachram shouldn't be seeing this going in. Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. He said, I didn't see it. I walked by, I didn't notice. And so, this is, I think the shot is that what we're about to say now, it's true, the eye does see and the heart desires. But you know what the eye sees? The eye sees what the heart tells it to see. What the heart tells it to see, the eye will see. So if you're predisposed to something, that's what you're going to see. And therefore, Rashi's right, heart does come before eye. It's true the eye sees and the heart will desire. But at the end of the day, the heart, I will see what the heart wants to see. And therefore the heart is before, is before the eye. And I think that's the shot because the Chazal tell us that the Miraglim, these ten Miraglim, they went into Eretz Yisrael. No matter how beautiful it was, they were able to turn these gorgeous fruit. They took, it took two of them to carry a grape and a fig and, and they turned it. Look how giant it is. Like, this is a land. How can we? Any little thing that actually was, you know, God made it that there should be burying people and that they, should, they shouldn't be noticed. Oh, look, it's a land that everyone dies and gets buried. You know, any little, because if you come in with a preconceived note, no matter what I tell you, it's not going to make a difference. And therefore, that's the connection. The Miraglim, the same way as the Miraglim, you go in, you see things with preconceived notion. They went in with a preconceived notion. That was their, that was already, they had, that was their disposition. Right? That was what they would see. That's the connection between the beginning of the parsha and the end of the parsha. that the heart, are, because the heart will see what the, with, with the eye will see what the heart wants it to see. Right? So, the shot is like this. Moshe couldn't pray for them. You can't pray for a person not to do the wrong thing. What you can pray is that maybe there's outside forces that might cause him to do the wrong thing. But if a person is already predisposed, inside, he's already predisposed to doing the wrong thing, prayer won't help. Therefore, Moshe couldn't pray for the ten Miraglim. It's too late, I can't pray. Yeshua, he could. Now, why Yeshua over Kalev, Kalev in Funa, is like this, because Kalev was a very powerful, strong individual, strong-minded, strong-willed, right? And he spoke his mind, and he wasn't going to be impacted by his environment. But Yeshua, it says he was a humble person, he was meek, he was, he was afraid that they would be able to influence him. That you can pray for. What is he praying? He's not praying that he should do the wrong thing or the right thing. He's praying that these were the ten most powerful people in Jewish They shouldn't be able to impact on Yeshua. Kale wasn't a problem. He wouldn't be impacted on. To daven for them couldn't do anymore because they were already predisposed. The only one he could pray for 
That's what the Targa Yonason says. He was meek. He was, he was mild. He was, that he wanted to... Don't be... Let him make a decision based on who he is, not on the forces that, that surround him. So therefore, uh, how does this impact on us? I'm just thinking that... Just take a, a takeaway. We always want to say something practical. First of all, you can daven for your children. You can daven for yourself. You can daven for your spouse. You can daven for your family. That they should do the right thing. But what does it mean, do the right thing? That hopefully the environment that they are in and where they're coming from and should not... Let their decisions based on innately who they are and not based on outside forces that are negatively impacting them or not. But what you also see from this, and I think this is, I think this is where it becomes a little sticky, is that if somebody chooses to want to be part of the environment, he's choosing that, so then already it's much harder because you're not really then praying that the environment should stay away from him because it's not the environment imposing on him. He's showing, I'm choosing to make that part of who I am. Then it already becomes a difficulty. Can you really pray for something like that? And I was thinking like this. Listen, I always go back to cell phones and I was thinking things like that. We want our kids not to be impacted and not to be exposed. And, but if we're putting it in their hands, how can you go back to Hashem and say to Hashem, Hashem, I want you to save our kids from the influences of society and at the same time be putting it into their hands. How do you say that? You, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. You have to show that this is the derech shani rotei leilech. Then you'll help your malichin also. But if it's not the derech that you want to go, how can you turn back and say, okay, now help me, Hashem. You created the mess yourself. Help yourself. That's, 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 that's a much bigger problem. But I, 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 what I, the, the sort of what I got from my, my Rosh Hashim's explanation, I think just the idea is, and I think it answers up the Marashot's question beautifully, yes, a man is responsible, uh, any man, any woman, they have Bechira Chavshis, they have free choice, they choose to do the right thing, they choose to do the wrong thing. You can't pray, somebody else can't pray for that. But by the way, you can pray for yourself. I know innately that's not who I am. Help me, I need that little push. I need that, that you can pray, Hashem will help you and He will give you the, He'll show you the way to go. He'll show you the right direction if you pray for Him to help you. But you can pray for somebody else as well if the feeling is that I know that person, he's a good person. He's just doing it. It's his friends. It's his society. It's his, then you can still pray that Hashem will help. Remove that and allow him to be able to make that decision himself. That's, that's, that's a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, miraculum. Unfortunately, they were already predisposed to seeing what they wanted to see. And that's a very important yesod, by the way. And you see that. I, so that idea by Rosh Hashim, you know, everybody sees the advertisement. He doesn't see it. What? What are you looking for? If you're looking to see something... You will see. If you're not willing to see it, then, then it's something you won't see. Have a good job, everyone.